How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at JWright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producer of the program for us. Glad he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGianotto, Mark. Good day, sir. I was just going through the schedule, Jeffrey. Kind of like the, uh, almost like a basketball tasting menu. Mm. Creating one for myself. We got a good weekend of basketball coming up. Got a real good weekend of basketball coming up. Yeah, it's, this is. NBA, uh, college. This is turn the local, calendar. national. This is definitely turn the calendar. Like, basketball takes over for like the next three weeks. Yes. Four weeks, yeah. Well, I think this is going to be fantastic. Then we go right into champ. It's called championship week, right? Or just conference tournament week? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But now there's conference tournaments going on like right now too. Yeah. Um. But no. But like next week, everyone is in conference. They used to, I think mode. they did used to call it championship week, but it seems like they've gotten away from that branding. But and we by go, they, I just mean ESPN. We go right into that. Obviously, we've got Sunday now a gigantic Memphis Tigers game against number one Houston. When are we getting freaking hand sizes? I've been waiting for the NFL hands. I I wait on two things. You're right. We got scouting combine this weekend too. Uh, hot take. I don't. Not in on this. I don't like the the late scouting. I scouting combine needs to be like during Monday, the week. Tuesday. Yeah, no, we, you don't want it yes. during basketball. This stuff. is the NFL trying to like impose its will. Yeah. This should be a during the week. It should be filling the void on a like Correct. Monday afternoon, Correct. early afternoon. We've oh, got, I can flip on the scouting right. combine. We've got real sports on the weekends. Yes, yes. Not underwear Olympics, but I mean underwear I, Olympics were made for weekday, early afternoon. I got to know what Bryce morning. Young weighs, and I got to see some hand sizes. I, well, I think know we did I'm, medical today, right? We did medical well, the, today. I think with the they're getting weighed in today. Okay, I think the, the but they're going to wait for prime time to do that. I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. I'm out. I, I, the event was great. When it was like Monday, Monday you had when it was like a football junkies event. Correct. They're trying to like commercialize right. it now and make it like a. You know, oh, well, this is another, like, this is like the draft. Yeah, it's another event you have to watch. Like, no, it's a something I want on during the middle of the day when there's nothing on. Yes, and I want to overreact to the numbers. Correct. Yes, that's all we want. Yes. Um, I want to judge these people, but not on the weekends. Well, there's a, there's a because of this, there's going to be a lot 
I think we're going to be talking about coming out of the weekend. Big weekend. Uh, so we are going to start today's show off like we usually do on Fridays. We're going to try and predict what we're talking about coming out of the weekend. We'll get to that in a second. Tigers, Grizzlies, and more. Uh, Blake Topmeyer is going to join us at 2.40 or so. Jeffrey, we started the week with ACC rumors. We are ending the week with the Big 12 poaching the Pac-12 rumors. We got reports, Mark. We got rep- bona fide reporting being done that the Big 12 is trying to raid the Pac-12 and deliver the defining blow to the uh, dying carcass that is the Pac-12, it appears. They they certainly look, they're looking for the kill shot. Yes. Um, they're, I shouldn't say carcass. They're hobbling along the side of the road here, the Pac-12. No, they're just a... They could maybe get out of this, but right now they're hobbling along the side of the road. No, they're just like... They're just like sticking their hand out no, trying to get a meteorite. No, they're deal. just a vulture circling. They're like those CBS producers when they find out an actor's gone over the hill, mm-hmm. just circling, waiting yeah. to say, "I got another CSI for you here." <laughs> NCI, yeah, NCIS. yeah. I got, I got another legal drama. We moved on from CSI. Correct, whatever. Yeah. I, I think there's, I think there's still one of them. NCIS, Butte, Montana. Correct. You're perfect for it. Yes. <laughs> CSI, Des Moines. <laughs> uh, no, they do Iowa. CSI, uh, yeah, Iowa. Fair, fair. CSI, Iowa. Um, well, no, isn't there like, there's CSI, Vegas. There's, yeah, usually they, it's, we've, there's a Hawaii one. I think yeah. there's a Vegas. I don't know. I don't, I've never watched any of them. But regardless, uh, we'll talk to Blake Topmeyer, not about NCIS, more about the Pac-12 and Big 12 situation. You know what else I've had this week, which is a nice little warm-up for the season that we're in? When you go to flip on your TV the next day and TNT's on with a charmed, like a, just a just a wall-to-wall playoffs charmed. Playoffs are getting closer. Yes, charmed marathon. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. Yep, playoffs are getting closer. Well, and tur- the NCAA tournament. Like, oh, that's, that's the other, true, yeah. You'll wake up the next day and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, this is... We, we, we are getting to the point we got to soon figure out what channel True TV is again. And the other great thing about Charmed on TNT is because it was clearly not filmed in HD, like whatever, I don't mm-hmm. know, it was like 2002. I feel like that was I like peak know. WB. But they've stretched out the picture, so yeah. everyone just looks really weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, three o'clock or so, we will get into the list. It was quarterback interview day at the NFL Scouting Combine. We will... Uh, get into the notable things that were said by the top QB prospects. We also got to dive back into this Antoine Davis story. Mm. Uh, fell three points short of Pete Maravich last night. Um, we got to talk about the game and then talk about this possibility. Like, they're angling to get into the, the – I was wrong about the CBI. It is alive and well, and apparently considering uh, – Alive. Alive. <laughs> alive and looking for something to grab some headlines so they might invite this kid in order for him to break the Pete Maravich's record. Can you claim you're in good standing when you're considering taking a team that's four games under 500? Yes. Um, From the Horizon League. But we'll talk about that in the list, and then uh, we'll give you our games of the weekend. This is a huge weekend. We'll get you ready for it uh, here to wrap things up next hour. But let's start with what we think we're going to be talking about coming out of the weekend. What are going to be the storylines? I think we got to start with Tiger basketball because it is certainly the biggest game in town this weekend. Memphis versus number one Houston. They set the stage for it properly with a professional win over SMU last night. And cover. And cover. Um, Clean cover. (laughs) But it's just the second time ever Memphis is going to host the number one team in the country. They are 0-9 all time against number one. Um, it does feel like 
unlike the past couple years when you've played Houston, where it felt like, oh my gosh, they really need to beat Houston to like get in the tournament. I really truly believe they're in. I don't think I think last night I thought even before last night they were in, but now that they won last night, I don't think even if they were to lose the next two games, if they were to lose to Houston and lose to SMU or UCF in the opening round of the AAC tournament, I still think they'd be in. They might lose some seating. In fact they would lose seating, but they're I think they're in. 23 yeah. and 7, 10 and 6 in at quad worst, one and at quad worst, two. 13 and 5 in the league, right? Yes, yeah, second place in the league in the regular season. I think they're in. Now, you know, could they play their way into like Dayton? Yeah, I could see that happening if they were to lose two in a row here and lose like to SMU, especially in the, you know, a bad, a really truly bad AAC team. But I think they're in. And I don't even think that's going to, I don't think they're going to lose the quarterfinal game in the AAC tournament, anyways. But um, it obviously it, this Houston game is different. One because it's number one coming to town, and you can do something that this program has never done before, which is beat number one. But two, I think there's also there's just not as much pressure as the past games because you don't need to win this game to get in the NCAA tournament. I really don't believe that, um, and I think it's going to make the game even better. The fact that like both teams can kind of punch freely here, if that makes sense. They don't have to worry about anything. I think in terms of Memphis, this is the best scenario to play number one. And here's what I would say. To your point, it feels like a true free shot. Mm-hmm. Like this, It does not feel like if you don't win this game, you know, you're, you're toast. Mm-hmm. Like this, it, it doesn't have the do or die feel. Also, Mark, did you notice what happened last night in Houston? I believe they beat Wichita State. And more importantly, Mark, they cut down some nets. Mm. I don't think this game matters to Houston either. Well, cause I ultimately think Houston... Like, if they lose to... Me- is a quad one loss on the road going to really drop you from a number one seed when you've been one or two in the my, net pretty my, much the whole year? My gut tells me as long as they win the AAC tournament, they'll be a one seed. Now, if they were to lose the AAC tournament, you know, lose somewhere I, along the I way... I think they're fine no matter what. Like, they've been one or one or two the entire year. Well, the question is, like, if, if, for instance... So who are the teams that could catch them? UCLA? Like, if UCLA beats Arizona this weekend, you know, they're gonna add, they could add an Arizona win, maybe two if they win the SEC tournament, or excuse me, the Pac-12 tournament. Um, I mean, if you look at the two-line right now, um, it's, it's UCLA is number five right now. It's UCLA, Baylor, Texas, Kansas State. To me, if Houston were to lose... To Memphis, they could potentially open the door to UCLA jumping in there, especially if they weren't to win if they didn't win the AAC tournament. I guess, but I really think that. But you're you're in general. I think you're right, though. Ultimately, that like, I don't think this game is not going. This game is not going to. I don't think directly impact them. It's a combination of this game and something else that could directly impact them. Yeah, I just don't think a quad one road loss. I mean, again, maybe if they lose on Friday, but of the American, but I don't think that's the case. Like, they're not even think, the. They're not. They're the three. They're the number three one seed according to Lenardi. I also Kansas and Alabama are ahead of them. Call me, I don't know. Call me conspiracy guy or whatever. I also have a tough time believing 
that the selection committee is going to sit there on Sunday afternoon waiting, going, well, if Houston doesn't win this AAC title, yeah. they're not our number one seed. Yeah, you're probably right. Probably right. But um, And then, you know, obviously adding to the good circumstances is you played them really close without Kendrick Davis two weeks ago. Yeah. Like you're going to feel – like this is not – you're not going – I mean, like ultimately this is just not a team they are afraid of. It cost you Keontae Kennedy in the process, but yes. Yeah. But like Penny has said in the past, like Houston's the team he knows the best, and I believe that. Um, and um, I just think it's – I mean, it is – I think it's the biggest home game they've had since number one versus number two, Memphis, Tennessee, in 2008. There might be some so, who debate with me over that, and I'm willing to listen because I wasn't here for all of it. But like just looking back, it that, that's my sense is that this is the big. This feels like, especially if they like now, if they lose it, maybe that changes. If they win it, right? I guess this, that, this is the problem in terms of trying to define. Like, if it's the first time they beat number one, that is going to be a really significant home game in the history of the program. Like, to me, for it to be the biggest game, quote-unquote, of all time, or the biggest game since, I think there have to be real stakes. Mm -hmm. And this game, to me, is not real stakes. What I do think it presents is it presents the opportunity on Sunday for the awesome scene. Yeah. Like, you have the packed packed house. Mm Mm-hmm. Nance and Raft, we're getting the A-team. Nance and Raftery are back in town Nance for CBS. Nance calling his alma mater. It's nice for him to brush off and figure out who's on his team now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's got to do that yep. again. for It's yep. it's Jimbo. It's it's March. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's time to get ready. But, you know, packed house, you know, could it be like a court storming. Like, I don't know. Like, it has a chance to be a great scene. Yeah. But Memorable to me, like, scene, yeah. I don't, like, if they are to lose, there's nothing really devastating. Yeah. You lost to the number one team. But if you win, it has the opportunity to be like a special day. Mm-hmm. And it's early enough, then you can go get drunk on Beal. You know, it makes next week kind of suck because when you get drunk on a Sunday, that just kind of that just keeps the whole week tough. You know, you're, you're just fighting the hangover for the whole week. But it has the opportunity to be the like whole a whole setup with day. the AAC. Like, I remember last year, it was such a bummer to me. Maybe it wasn't to the team. Like, they didn't have that moment where they got to see their name called. Oh, yeah. So, like, Sunday. Because they like, well, it was like one, they took a while. And they got shuffled into, yeah. Well, they took I, a while in the locker room. That's kind of on them, too. Well, they someone should have just, they should have just had it. They, they were trying to watch with the fans, and it was like, they took a while in the locker room because, like, they legitimately cared about winning an I, AAC tournament championship. I understand. I guess this is my point. I didn't like when people were like, they did them wrong, but not letting them see. It's like. You know what time the selection show no, starts. No, I didn't think anyone did anything wrong. It just was like it was a bummer. You know what I mean? Like I, you I wanted you wanted to see that moment of them like seeing their name and cheering and they just didn't get that moment. Uh, maybe, you know, we'll see what happens this year a, a week from now. But um, I mean, isn't the AAC title game the same time this year? Yep. Yep. It'll be the exact same scenario where you're and they, you know, maybe this year they'll just watch it together in the locker room, you know? Like, sure. Uh lesson learned. You know, um, they, they got to get to Sunday first, Mark. That's true. They do. Um, but it's going to be, I, I'm really excited for Sunday. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, they're playing good ball. I mean, like, even last last night really, like, crystallized yet again. Now that they navigated all the landmines. You know, like, when we were looking over this, remember a month and a half ago, we were like, gosh, there's just so many games where, like, 
They don't gain anything from winning, and they could lose a lot from losing. And I went back. I looked this up last night. I thought this was an interesting stat. Their worst loss this year, according to Ken Palm, is at St. Louis, technically. If you go by, like, yeah. strictly ranking. ranking. Yeah. The the worst loss, according to the quadrant system, is the two-lane loss at home. But St. Louis right now is 104 in Ken Palm. And remember, they lost that game, second game of the year, November 15th, I believe it was, at St. Louis. That's the worst loss of the year. So I went back and I go, okay, what were the worst losses these previous years? Because I bet you that's one of the best worst losses they've had in a while. Turns out it's the best worst loss they've had in a decade. The 2012-13 season is the last time their worst loss was better than what St. Louis is. And that that I mean they don't have a loss by more than single digits. And and well the point I'm making is the conclusion I would draw is I don't know if this is the best Memphis team in a decade. It could be when all said and done. They're still you know, like ultimately that's going to be determined by the NCAA tournament and the conference tournament. But I do feel comfortable saying this. This was the best Memphis team at winning the games they were supposed to win in a decade. Yeah. Uh, like like that that's that's this, the mark of this team. They won basically every all but like three games they were supposed to win. And like you can point to very unlucky circumstances in all three. No, to me I think it is fair to say this. I think they have one of the cleanest resumes mm-hmm. of a Tigers team in a decade. Yeah. Yeah. 10 and 6 against quad 1, quad 2 and one loss, one quad 3 loss, no quad 4 losses. By the way, your boy Gigi, uh, Tubby's son, Tubby's just got son fired. Got, yeah, that was a couple hours ago. Yeah. No Smith, no Smith in the coaching business for the first time in a long time. Um, but uh so it's really true, and like honestly, when I was going back and looking at it, remembering some of the hits from the Tubby era, like when they lost to number three hundred two ECU on the road in Kemba, remember that one? Oh, how could you forget? I, I remember that was the that was the one where he said we you remember he said we need like psychiatrists. He basically said my team is crazy. Do you remember that? I think also wasn't that like one of the first times we had to go figure out where pl- like watching games on Plus. I mean, it was I, I was on the beat because I yeah. was the only one. I, it was like me and Clayton Collier were in were at were in Greenville because local twenty four was like traveling with the team then because of the coaches show. Yeah, and the ECU has a terrible media setup, and like since there was only two of us, we literally were like interviewing Tubby in a stairwell. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> you know, and that was and I remember when he said it, and I go and I just and I was just like I was like. It was like one of those things when someone says something in your report, you go, oh, that's the good stuff. Yeah, that, <laughs> That's the good excuse, stuff. Excuse me, I got to get excuse my me, phone Tubby, out. Excuse me, Tubby, did you just call your team yeah. crazy? <laughs> excuse me, Tubby, I got to fire off a tweet real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but going back and just looking at the different slip-ups they've had over the years that have really proved – like that year, that last Tubby year, they lost a number 300-something ECU on the road – and then went and lost to number 279 South Florida at backed, home. Backed it up. <laughs> I think it was senior night even. Um, but so they've done a remarkable job, this team, just being consistent. Didn't they also – wasn't that also a team that like kind of air quotes went on like a run in the AAC tournament? Like, didn't they get to they Saturday? Won, they ultimately won like seven of nine to close the year. I just remember – And, yes, they made it to the semis and were leading Wichita State at like halftime. 
Or no, they were leading Cincinnati at halftime. And I'll never forget the Wichita State assistant who was scouting the game because they were going to play the winner. I remember at halftime, I turned to him and I'm talking with him. And I go, so what do you think? You think Memphis wins this? He goes, absolutely not. <laughs> like literally, well, he goes, absolutely not. They're not I just this. also remember that last Tubby team. When it was like Tubby's like was basically about to get fired. Well, no. Like, like they, You know, at the tournament, everyone knew. They'd made the decision to move on and go get Penny. Yes. And then you're sitting there going, what happens if they win this thing? Yeah. Are they no, I going to f- like I remember, remember like, they hit a buzzer beater in the quarterfinals to win the quarterfinal game over Tulsa. Kareem Bruton, I believe, hit it. Yeah, I just remember thinking like are they going to like what if they make the tournament? Well, What's that's going not, to happen. That's yeah. not this team. This no. team's much more likable. Um and frankly, it feels like I mean, we mentioned this with Jason yesterday, it feels like they are finally going to get kind of the recognition they deserve. They've earned this weekend. Like this team has played really well by and large for the entire season. Remarkably consistent compared to previous compared to recent Memphis teams. You have a bona fide star, two stars really, in Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams, both of whom have, are like very endearing, have very endearing stories. Both of whom are the types of players who you could see becoming March Madness stories, you know, like leading a team on a run. You've got this supporting cast that I really think, you know, it's not like one guy who's emerged as the third guy. It's Sometimes it's Elijah McCadden. Now sometimes it's Demarie Franklin. Sometimes it's Jonathan Lawson. Um, now you've got Malcolm back, Alo's back. I know he didn't play last night, but, you know, it sounds like that was just, you know, hey, let's, let's save, let's save trying, him for the He's trying to game. save up for Sunday. And um, they've got, you know, this team is like, it's just coming together really nicely right at the right time. It's it's really uh, fun to watch. The other, I don't know, I, I just find this team easy to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, and I do hope that Penny does take this lesson from this team. Mm-hmm. Go get a real point guard. Yeah. Every year you need to have a real point guard. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. It's not necessarily you have to have, like, this team where every guy is a senior, basically. Right. And, but and you're, you're right. Not, and you're not going to be able to go get a Kendrick Davis every year. Like, that's, mm-hmm. I do not want to. Uh, he's he's a, maybe. Maybe. But I mean, he's a really, he's a, he's a yeah. really damn but I think good that, I mean, I think if you're Penny from here on out, you're thinking in your head, all right, I got to try and get one of the five or 10 best transfers in the country every year. That's yeah. like, in my mind, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm going in each offseason. I'm going to go figure out who are the 10 best transfers. I need to get at least one of those guys. All right. I also was starting – I was thinking this last night. Are they all of a sudden good at shooting? Because I was trying to figure it's out – It's been better since conference play started. So – It's not just I recently. It might, though, be – this. it is possible it's an SMU thing. They hit nine threes against SMU at home, too. Mm-hmm. They just, in general, they're a good offensive team. Like, they just are. Like, we had these concerns about the shooting – and it hasn't mattered because they get to the line a lot. They score in the paint a lot. And as the year has progressed, especially in conference play, they, one, don't take too many three-pointers. They take give, open ones, though. Given given they're, they aren't a great three-point shooting team. But if you look at it, Keontae Kennedy was shooting the ball really well in conference play, the best in, conference, in all the AAC in conference play in three-pointers. Jaden's shot has really come on as the year has progressed. DeAndre's three-point shot, I think that's not discussed enough, has become a real weapon again this season. Kendrick's three-point shot has gotten better over the last month. Um, I mean, he started the game off with the bang. Like, that 
nothing but net three. You know, like they're not. They're still not a good three point shooting team, but they're shooting thirty four point four percent as a team and rank one hundred sixty fourth in the country in that category. And like, so they're middle of the pack. And like, considering where they were at the beginning of the year, middle of the pack is pretty good for this team, given all the other things they can do. Keontae Kennedy in league play alone, forty three point one percent from three. He was leading the conference. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, Franklin's starting to hit outside shots, too. Um, so, no, they got it. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, like they said in the release, Kennedy could be available in the postseason. I'll be curious. I, I have my doubts about that. I would bet against that. He had surgery on a broken hand. I just have my doubts. It's going to be like a two- or three-week thing. But that's what they said in the release. So, there's still – there is a chance. Um, he won't be back Sunday, though. But it's – I. I, I'll be I'll I'll be the bad guy here. Mm-hmm. I trust nothing that I read as an official statement on injuries. <laughs> um, but you know, so we've got a we got a big one on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Seventy three team is getting honored as well during the game um, as part of the fiftieth anniversary celebration. I believe they've just taken off. Memphis got stuck in Dallas last night. Bad weather because of weather. I believe they left. I think they were scheduled to leave at like 2 o'clock today from what I heard. Um, we'll see if that plays any sort of role. I would assume today was going to probably be a day off anyway. I would think this is an off day. Um, but it's, uh, no, maybe it's the last game, you know, maybe the last game against Houston. I don't know. I would. That's a series I'd really – like Penny's talked about getting – like if you could keep the Cincinnati and Houston series going as non-conference series, that'd be really good, I think. I am very curious to see, though. House. I don't think Kelvin will want it. Well, I, the I, Big Twelve schedule so hard. That's I'm very curious. If you've been paying attention, Kelvin's already quietly been Man, talking about Big that. Big Twelve is like well, there's a no bear. off nights. Yeah. Like I am very curious to see how to how do we already got the SEC challenge. You know, we got <laughs> no. I have a feeling it's gonna be hard to get Houston to agree to a home and home with Memphis, just because I don't think they're gonna want to schedule aggressively a non-conference play initially. Uh, you know who I think is gonna get a. You know who I do not think I is going to survive the Big 12? Uh, Wes Miller. Yeah, I could see that. And Johnny Dawkins. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that. Um, so, uh, man, I can't wait for Sunday. It should be a big one. We'll, we'll maybe discuss it more. Let's move on to the Grizzlies real quick because I do think it's a big weekend for them too. Big night tonight for the Grizzlies. Well, they got two games. They play Sunday, Sunday, they play Sunday okay. night as well. But I don't they know got, why I thought the game was Tonight, Tuesday. Grizzlies against... The Nuggets, it's on ESPN, 9 p.m. tip. Also, I believe, on Bally Sports Southeast. Yes, it is. It's on both tonight. It's on both. Um, number one versus number two again. We learned today, John Morant, I don't think we have any details exactly yet how he suffered this, but he suffered a nasal fracture, and we're going to get masked jaw tonight. He's wearing a mask uh, because he has a nasal fracture. So, All right, I want to get this take out there immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh he doesn't look as cool as Rip Hamilton. <laughs> and the mask. So the other thing I started to realize, in fairness, though, has anyone other than Rip Hamilton looked cool in the mask? Um, I will say this. The clear mask, no thank you. I think you got to go with the black mask. Yeah, like LeBron wore the black mask back I in think the day. If you gotta, Embiid wore a, bl- a black mask back in the day. He didn't look cool either. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, are we gonna Mark? Are we gonna get a dramatic? Is there gonna be a game where like he has a tough start and we get a dramatic in the third quarter, just a ripping off of the mask? Have you ever seen this? This is apparently Curtis Perry back in the seventies wearing a like the old wearing like the Jason mask. Yeah, (laughs) Jason mask. Yeah, I've not seen that till you showed me that. I will say though, that is cool. Lambeer's mask was always pretty intimidating. The clear, his clear mask, just because he was already an I, ugly son. Is was the mask intimidating, or was Bill Ambeer intimidating? Yeah, you might be right. I mean, the guy was not afraid to throw a clothesline in a game. Yeah, the Hamilton one is the is the. I think he's the only guy that's ever looked like cool. Yeah, like even even like LeBron and Kobe's masks. No, that they've worn at times. Eh, no, thank you. Yeah, and beads wasn't good. and bead wore the black one. That wasn't good either. No. Um. So you know. Hey, we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't affect his play uh, at all. Can't you just see the scene? Tough first half, not making anything, then just rips it off. Well, it's interesting. In conjunction with this game, Grizzlies were kind of featured on ESPN.com a little bit today. Mm. We had a, in Zach Lowe's, like, weekly... uh, Ten, whatever. Ten ten things, I think, or whatever you want to call it. One of them was about John Moran's three-point shooting and how crappy it's been since November, essentially. I actually think is... To me, this is the more interesting question. And how he's noticed that teams are playing off of him more lately because of it. I think, though, in terms of like what we've been talking about, whether or not Steven Adams is going to make the big difference in the fourth quarter and whatnot, mm-hmm. I think he clearly makes a difference on the rebounding front. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's kind of hurt them recently is they are allowing a lot of second-chance opportunities. So I think he helps on that front. I still think the bigger issue on the fourth-quarter offense is exactly what Zach wrote about and it's the fact that because Not a lot of room in there you know they're they're sagging off even like they'd already defenses had already started playing the Grizzlies back later in the games like as the game wore on they started sagging and they tried to take away the middle but it seems like now they're not even remotely threatened about Ja taking the three so they're willing to just give it up and I'm wondering for, for the that's season the direct result for the season, Josh shooting 31.2%. What is it, 28% since November? Is yeah, that what he wrote? he's down from 34.4% last year. His career low is his second season when he shot 30.3% from three-point range. So there's that. And then we also had, Jeffrey, a long Dylan Brooks takeout at ESPN.com. Feature. Yeah, feature on Dylan and kind of how he's become a notorious figure around the NBA. Uh, Tim Key, I, I think it's Keon or Kuhn. I, I don't know. It's K E O W N. He's been around there forever. I just don't know how to pronounce Kane? it. Kane, maybe I don't know. But he followed around Dylan for a week. It looks like, and Dylan had some. You know, D- Dylan's a good quote. Like he might be the best quote on the team if you're looking for truly like a guy who does not give an s about what anyone thinks about what he says. I don't think there's probably. Um, I think he's the best quote. And there was a, it was like a long, in-depth, really well-done piece. You should read it about kind of who he is on the court and his mindset. You know, it's been written about some here as well. Um, this was just another take on it and a current, up-to-date take on it. Um, and, you know, there was like actually a very interesting stat. If you take all the All-Star, like the guys who made the All-Star team this year, nobody in the NBA has covered this year's All-Stars for more minutes, possessions, than Dylan Brooks this season, okay, guarded, yes, yes, yeah. guarded, and then no player, football. no player has, no player has held them to a lower field goal percentage than Dylan Brooks this season. No, it's, 
I mean, it also only guy really who's torched him this year is Damian Lillard. I mean, it speaks to the issue of Dylan in the sense that I think it's very clear the Grizzlies have tried to upgrade at that position. Mm-hmm. But with Dylan, I think the other thing that's important to remember is there are two ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. And Jaron is an elite defender. At the bare minimum, Dylan is a very good defender, if not close to elite. I mean, the numbers the numbers tell the story there. But after that, I guess you could say Adams. But, I mean, do you feel comfortable about Adams in playoff basketball on the defensive end? Against yeah, we'll the, have to see. He's been better this year. I mean, year, I think though. it's been matchup dependent. I mean, he's been better this year. You've seen him against... But, I mean, to me, Ja is below average as a defender. Mm -hmm. Dez is probably average. No, I mean, last year, you got rid Honestly, you got rid of your guys on the bench who were your above-average defenders. Melton and And Kyle Kyle Anderson. Um, So, no, I think think you're right. It it, it has exacerbated the need for him defensively. But then the, the, the comment from Dylan, like, this is a nice story, like, you know, kind of makes, kind of shows how, like, Dylan is this... You know, he's kind of, he's kind of a, he can be kind of a cocky ass, but also like he does things that people aren't willing to do. Like ultimately that is where his value comes from is like, he does things that people aren't willing to do. And then there's even a nice quote. I don't know of what it means long-term, but a nice quote from Taylor Jenkins basically saying like, this guy is like, like basically touting how valuable he is to this team. Um, I don't know what it means long-term for him with him being a free agent, but the quote that's actually generating the most attention is he was asked about Draymond Green because the, the author was trying to draw a comparison. Like, hey, every team needs a guy like this, just like Golden State. They got these happy-go-lucky stars, but ultimately they also have an a-hole in Draymond, you know, an effective a-hole. World class. <laughs> um, and so Dylan was asked about Draymond, mm-hmm. and he said, I don't like Draymond at all. I just don't like Golden State. I don't like anything to do with them. Draymond talks a lot, gets away with a lot, too. His game is cool with Golden State, but if you put him anywhere else, you're not going to know who Draymond is. That's the stuff. He plays with heart, plays hard, knows the ins and outs of their defense. I guess that's why they like him over there. <sighs> Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> I read it, and I go, this is how Jeffrey feels about Draymond 100%. Green. If, if Draymond were a Sacramento king, you would not know who Draymond is. You okay with Dylan saying this publicly? They play in the goal, they're playing the Warriors I mean, on Thursday. Apparently, apparently the writer then took this quote to to Warriors PR mm-hmm. to see if Draymond wanted to respond, and apparently Draymond laughed and then said and passed on Did, responding. Has he had a podcast since? No, but I, you best believe if they beat the war, if they beat the Grizzlies again on Thursday, we're going to get a Friday next a week from today. We will get a Draymond podcast. I know Draymond was specifically asked. I also think that it's fitting. That's who, that's who Dylan chose to give the quote about. Mm-hmm. I don't. Well, I think he w- he was asked about. Yeah, that's Draymond. what I'm saying. Like, I know he was asked about Draymond, but I think you can go harder in on Draymond's best days are behind him. Mm. I feel confident about that. All right, when we come back, Blake Topmeyer joins the show. We'll get into conference realignment questions. Nick Saban's already griping about. Permanent opponents. We'll discuss all that with Blake next, right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM. Yes. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Blake Topmeyer's the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. His podcast, SEC Football Unfiltered, available each and every week. On Twitter, at B Topmeyer. Blake, what's Nick Saban complaining about today? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by these recent Saban remarks to Sports Illustrated about uh, the three rival assignments for Alabama that uh, are not are not finalized yet, have not been voted on and approved, but the, the rivals that we've we've known we're coming for a long time now. I mean, Alabama's rivals in this three, six model we've talked about for so long, always seem like they would obviously be Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee. Um, in this recent piece with sports illustrated, Saban is, is bemoaning those assignments. Um, I guess he thinks Alabama has it disproportionately difficult. Uh, I think there's going to be other teams that have difficult rivalry assignments. And as we've talked before, 
I really think it's important that we look at these things as a total nine-game conference schedule and not become so hung up on who your three rivalry opponents are and, and evaluate it more on are these schedules, one team's nine-game conference schedule versus another, all nine games, not just the three rivals, but all nine games, are they fairly equitable? And I think in most years they will be. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest disparity is what you're going to get one year, you'll get four home games, and the next year you'll get five. Yeah, and, and that'll be the same for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest disparity here is, you know, instead of playing Tennessee every year, uh, I guess Nick Saban, I mean, he didn't say this, but if, if he wants it to be a little easier on Alabama, I guess Saban wants to play Mississippi State every year rather than Tennessee. But That's I mean, a is, rivalry. is that really. Mark, I don't know if you know this. They're only, what, Blake, what, 75 miles apart? I think it's 90. Yeah, yeah. something like that. So, yeah. I mean, it's a historic you know, rivalry, they, Mark. <laughs> they played a bunch, but and, and, and Saban didn't mention Mississippi State, but he, but he clearly thinks in this piece with Sports Illustrated, at least, that he, he thinks these, these draws are, are too tough. Or it, Alabama's draws is too tough. Well, it's like, I mean, Auburn has to play Alabama and Georgia almost certainly, right? Those are going to be two of Auburn's three rivals. So, uh, okay, so you give LSU and Auburn and you swap uh, Tennessee out and you go from playing Tennessee every year to playing them every other year and then playing Mississippi State every year. Is that really going to make much of a difference? I, I really don't think it is. Yeah, I'd also say I'd also say tough ass. We had to sit here with this East West format for so long because Alabama refused to give up the Tennessee game. Yeah, and, 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 and Auburn was the one that uh, got the shortest end of the stick, I think, on, on that deal. and happened, Well, from the West. Who's going to get the from easiest the rivals? Is it Missouri? Like, who gets I think it's the probably easiest? Missouri and Vanderbilt. Like, like who's Missouri's rivals, technically? I mean, well, Missouri's almost certainly going to get Oklahoma. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're going to get Arkansas. And then Texas? I would bet they get. Uh, no, I, I think they'll get Vanderbilt. I think they'll get Vanderbilt. Because Vanderbilt needs an extra one. Because Vanderbilt's going to get yeah. Tennessee. Vanderbilt will get, who else? Florida? I think Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt. No, Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt's going gets, to get Auburn. Oh, you don't think they're going to get Vanderbilt's going to get Auburn. I think Vanderbilt's going to get Auburn to throw Auburn a bone for having to play Alabama and Georgia, the, mm, the two, okay. two of the best Wait, programs in the sport. You think they're going to break up the historic yearly Ole Miss-Vandy game? <laughs> yeah, I actually had a fan email me about that, and one of the models I put forward is, how did I, how did I, they, they said this seriously, they said, how did I ignore Ole Miss Vanderbilt? I thought, boy, of all the rivalry slights here, I didn't think Who's uh, Texas getting? Vanderbilt. Texas will get Oklahoma, A&M, and who else? Arkansas. Ah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah Arkansas tough, that's, really that's, wants Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that works. That Wait, what, what are they doing? I thought Ole Miss was going to be Mississippi State, LSU, and Vandy. What are they going to do now? I assume it'll still be LSU, Mississippi State, and then who will the third be? Arkansas. Yeah, okay. I think, I, I think Arkansas, Arkansas is going to be paired with Texas. And, again, nothing's, nothing's been finalized. Nothing's been put forward. But based on my best assessment, Arkansas is going to get uh, Texas. They're going to get Missouri and they're going to get Ole Miss, and I think Ole Miss gets Mississippi State, LSU, and Arkansas. I mean, you know, are there better assignments for that third spot for Arkansas and Ole Miss? There probably are. I I think each school could make some claims that there probably are. But, 
you know, we've talked about this before. As you fit all the puzzle pieces together, you have to make a little bit of concession, especially when you get to the third rival for each team. You know, you try to preserve some of those top couple rivalries for each team, and, and you, you, you make a concession on that third line. And I, I really don't think, you know, Ole Miss and Arkansas, I think, is a fine assignment for, for the third assignment for each team. Yeah, it's always a fun game. It usually gets pretty drunk. Yeah. I mean, I guess this year is a blowout, but uh, the other question... Yeah, they've, that, they've, they've had some good games. Yeah, they've, they've usually played drunken football games. All right, speaking of the state of Texas, what do you make of the vultures that are the, the Big 12 right now, just circling and waiting for those dead carcasses in the Pac-12? Yeah, I'm not sure if, if uh, they'll be able to swoop down and, and gobble them up, but, uh, I mean, I think they're... If a domino falls and it starts to unravel, and I don't know that the Big 12 could be the one to make the first domino fall, but if if another domino falls and it looks like the, the Pac-12 is, is going to cease to exist, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the Big 12 is, is well positioned to, to grab the Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Colorado, and what would the fourth be, Utah? Utah, right? that's been the four, the, what do they call them, the corner schools? Four, four corners, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so for Colorado, it would be a return home. I think, you know, for Arizona, Arizona State, it would make some sense for a, a South and Southwestern-leaning conference um, to nab them. All of a sudden, if you're West Virginia, you're thinking, my gosh, like, what, <laughs> what are we doing in this Southwestern conference? But I do think for the, the Big 12's identity, it would, it would make sense. I mean, I don't know, though. I don't know if, if the Big 12 has the clout to make the the Jenga Tower topple out west. Well, to me, it's uh, all now, about it's all about does. what does this TV deal look like? Like, do they get something that is comparable to the Big Twelve? Is it completely underwhelming to the Big Twelve? Is it all streaming and no? You know, it sounds like the only like non-streaming option they have right now is ESPN is willing to re-sign the Pac-12. But my gut tells me the fact that it's not signed yet is because they're not offering them the same amount as they you know as the Big Twelve's getting. Yeah, and does the big and does ESPN want all of it, or do they really just want Pac-12 after dark? I mean, I, I don't see ESPN having much use uh, for Pac-12 games at at noon and three thirty. I mean, they're they're going to have plenty yeah. of plenty of good games from their other deals. You know, whether that be the SEC, the ACC, uh, the Big Twelve, or otherwise, um, to fill those slots. So I think the ES, ESPN's um, interest is mostly in that that Pac-12 after dark spot. So unless you're going to have all of your teams start kicking off their games at, at 10 o'clock Eastern time. I think, I think ESPN is only going to be interested in a partial piece of the PAC 12 package and, and probably for, for pennies on the dollar, um, which I think still leaves you uh, putting, putting some of your earlier in the day games, possibly on a streaming only platform, which for a conference that struggled for visibility you know, for a long time now, I, I think moving to a streaming-only platform for a not chunk right of your football games—it's—it's not—it's not great. Um, but I mean, isn't but, there also the argument? At least, like, if you put it on Apple or Amazon or even ESPN Plus, it's easier for me for me to watch that than it is to watch the Pac-12 Network. Well, that's true, but I think you know, I think folks in the industry would tell you the decision they made with the Pac-12 network was kind of a disaster and uh, probably one of the reasons why Larry Scott doesn't have a job right now. So I don't uh, just, just clearing the, the hurdle of doing something better than the Pac-12 network, I think it's, it's kind of a low bar because that sort of blew up in their face. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
I guess it's easier to find than that, particularly if, if you're living somewhere outside the West Coast. But, you know, you guys know this, like there is still a huge chunk of the population that either A, doesn't know how to work streaming or B, even if they do, like we kind of all reach a saturation points in our budget, right? Like, you know, how many of us have room for Apple TV plus ESPN plus plus Hulu and Netflix and all this other stuff? You know, it's like you, know, you kind of reach a saturation point and um, I'm not sure if Pac-12 football is enough to spur the, the, the folks, um, you know, west of, of Oregon uh, to make the jump for Apple TV, if, if you don't already have it. I, I just I don't know if that's going to push you over the edge. I do think they're going to really deal with an exposure problem. Um, you know, the NFL didn't have to worry about that. when it, it, The NFL encountered some of its own issues with Amazon Prime, but the NFL does not suffer for an exposure problem, and their, their product um, is is so uh, desirable and people people want it that, you know, I think there were folks that had no idea how to work streaming that figured out how to how to do this Amazon Prime thing. I don't think Pac-12 football, it's not in that category. I don't know that it's going to spur people to action to say, hey, I got to get Apple Plus so I can watch, um, you know, Oregon State play uh, the Sun Devils in an afternoon game. Well, Blake, you're also forgetting what the commish, Roger Goodell, said. Part of the reason why they're going to YouTube TV was to educate the masses of how to watch streaming. It has nothing to do with the fact that Apple said they were no. going to slash the price and YouTube no. agreed not to slash the price. It was all to help the entire the United world. States of America world over learn how to watch streaming. This is what good stewards of football do. That's what the commish does for us. Yeah, very, very educational, I'm, I'm sure. But, um, but no, truly, I, I think back to a big orange caravan event, a Tennessee caravan event last year. Um, there, there was a woman in the audience, let's call her of retirement age, okay. who asked a Tennessee administrator, why are there not more SEC softball and baseball games on TV? Love to watch them on TV. Would watch all of them if I could. How do we get more of those games on TV? And this administrator, um, in what I thought was kind of a dismissive and tone-deaf response, said, well, all of the games are available on, on TV. You just have to to know how to work streaming. And I think, you know, this, this, this woman in the audience that went completely over head, her head and she thought, what on earth are you talking about? No, they're not all on my TV. I have a TV package. I got the SEC network and I can watch them once every two weeks. Um, this sounds like, this sounds like I, a woman that still gets TV, God. <laughs> but, there are, but there are more people out there that are in that camp than I think. I mean, we've seen like the streaming wars, right? Like I think everybody thought, Oh, this cord cutter thing, like it's going to be all streaming all the time. And, um, you know, with, I, I think a lot of people thought it would be now, you know, like all the cords would be, would be cut. I mean, you know, you guys, you still go into sports I do, bars. I, st- I don't like, I don't like watching games on streaming. Like there's, there's I can't, too much risk I can't, for lag. Like the, I can't the buffering. Stand it. Like it doesn't happen every game I watch. But it happens like in one every five I watch on I mean, streaming. This isn't like, a problem. This is me off. This isn't a problem for Mark, but it is a problem for a lot of heroes out there. It makes live betting not as fun because you're usually three plays behind, two plays behind, and so it makes live betting much more difficult. But the thing that I think is interesting about all of this, I think particularly with like Arizona State, I think Utah would fall into this category. Colorado's in this. We kind of want to be better, but. 
I sense with Arizona State in particular, they are very frustrated with a lot of the Pac-12 that doesn't care about sports like they do. Mm-hmm. And to me, it seems I, like a divorce is just inevitable. Well, and, and I, I think if you're at Washington and Oregon, you're probably very frustrated as well. And that's why I said, like, I don't know if the Big 12 quite has the power to topple the Jenga tower out there. But if, if in some way Washington or Oregon were offered a lifeline in the big 10, I mean, they'd, they'd be absolutely foolish to reject it. Well, I mean, I you saw the reports this would. week that they're basically going to be willing to pay their way in. Yeah. I, I, I would have to imagine that they very, very eagerly would, would like that lifeline. Um, and, 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 and to the big 10, um, I guess appeal, it would give them a little more, it would firm up their Western front in addition to the two LA schools um, that they've added, you know, and, and if Oregon and Washington are gone, I think your conference is gone. So I don't know that the, that the big 12 can topple this thing. I think the big 10 certainly can deliver the death blow to the pack. I just think the I big think, 10 still got to hire a commissioner first before they make a well, move. And that might be, yeah, maybe that's the, the saving grace here for the pack 12 is they've, they've got the, uh, They've got the benefit of a of a vacant uh, spot there, uh, and yeah. I'm curious, Blake. What did you make of the crankiness we heard from Florida State this week? Over, you know, they they, they it seems like they do this once a decade, but at the same time, you know, and it doesn't feel like they can leave the ACC. Them, Clemson, Miami, all these football schools that feel like they mm-hmm. should be getting more money, and they they're they're going to be left behind once these new SEC and Big Ten deals kick in. And the ACC is still with its, you know, long-term deal, but it doesn't feel like they can get out of the deal. Um, what did you make of what Florida State did at that board meeting? Kind of basically, you know, making it publicly known, hey, we are not happy with the way things are going in the ACC. Right, right. It kind of reminds me of uh, whenever you uh, uh, go into your your boss's office and say, "Hey, Gaffer, I'm I'm not real happy with the thing way things are going. We need to." We need to do X, Y, and Z, and boss man says, uh, I'm not going to do any of that for you. Uh, if you don't like it, go get another job. And, oh, by the way, I know you can't find one, so go back and do your job. That, to me, is what this stinks of. Like, Florida State can't go anywhere. You, you just hit it there. I, I think if, if schools could get out of this grant of rights deal uh, with the ACC, some of them probably already would have done so. But they're, they're locked up in a bad grant of rights deal, so they can go into the boss's office and say, hey, I need a raise. I need a bigger a bigger percentage of the of the pie here that the conference is getting. But I don't see where, where they really have a leg to stand on um, because what what's their alternative? They can't really leave, uh, so they can grumble. But I don't think the other schools in the conference are going to go for that. I don't see why they should go for that, uh, and I don't really see how a school like Florida State can can force them to go for that. They, they're they're stuck in a a a bad deal. You know, the ACC is, but to me, they're kind of all in it together at this point, and I don't really see what someone like Florida State can do to, to squeeze more um, out of its conference membership. They're getting what they're getting, and I don't see why. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.